This is the Cast. I can picture in that timeline where Thanos snaps his finger and wipes out half the universe, and then five years later, people in Canucks Twitter are arguing that it's still too early to judge whether destroying half of the universe's life sources <laughs> was bad or not. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just shocked he would have done this. This is yeah. crazy. It's still I too early to tell. seen this coming? Yeah. <laughs> I, I could very much picture that happening. And it Absolutely. Really Absolutely. But we're not here to talk about the death of 50% of the life forms of the universe. We're here to talk about the reinvigorating of life in 50% of the fan base. Yay! <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> came into yesterday's game. So we are recording Tuesday at 5.45. They came into Monday's game with a lot of pressure on them. They had just left a very very depressing series against the Habs in which they got trounced and outscored by an insane margin across three games looked awful the entire way stars weren't firing. Uh, the only firing that was really going on were the <laughs> metaphorical firing the of meta- metaphorical fires that were burning yeah. in uh, Canucks Twitter land as they got the hashtag fire Benning hashtag trending to number five across Canada And so the Canucks came into yesterday's game with a lot on their shoulders and lo and behold against the Belleville, I mean, uh, the Ottawa Senators. Easy mistake to make. Yeah. After watching that game, a very easy mistake to make, but they actually win it out by a score of seven to one, absolutely dominating them. Wasn't even close. It was just, it was just embarrassing. It, it was like literally watching an NHL team face like a bunch of kids from the AHL. It um, wasn't fair, but it was enough to pour a little bit of water on the hot seat that is Jim Benning for at least the time being, or at least until this series is over against the Sens. Yeah. Uh, Lachlan, my host as always, yes. what did you think of the Canucks game against the Ottawa Senators? I mean, it was, it was, it was, full, I mean, like you said, full on domination. I mean, it's, it's amazing that, again, we're going to have stuff to talk about, obviously, in terms of like stuff that has gone wrong. Obviously, uh, the lotto line had their issues yesterday, uh, plenty of them, but uh, on this night, it didn't matter because they got the, they got scoring from the rest of the lineup, which is the, the been the whole problem that uh, we've been going back to for years with this team. Yeah. Is that if your top guys aren't scoring, you're not going to win. You generally are expected not to win. But last night was the rare night where the support, the supporting cast showed up, and they and they made a difference for, uh, for in in a huge way. I mean, Brandon Sutter hat trick out of nowhere. Baton Rouge just playing on repeat in the locker room after <laughs> that game. I'm sure. I mean, he just comes out of nowhere just as as to have like the single greatest game of his career on a night where the the guy who uh, who's often uh, maligned uh, for uh, making that signing that contract signing really yeah, needed him to step line. in. Really needed to step <laughs> in. Um, and um, yeah, overall they just got they got great uh, contributions from everybody that they needed to, and uh, especially especially management needed to, and. 
yeah, overall, they just played a very uh, a really good game. And there are so many goals and moments that you could pick out of that game that were mm-hmm. big and huge in their own different ways. And I, I almost actually want to ask you, like, out of all the out of if you were to pick like a goal or like a like a, a moment of the night, what was the one for you? Which was the big one? Uh, well, I would say for me personally, it was the Hoglander effort into the diving pass to Tanner Pearson to get his first of the season or yes. whatever it was first in a few games. I don't know where he's at. Fantastic. But he's, he's leading that, the, he's leading the call to race or something. That for that effort was pretty much everything that the Canucks fans that are like freaked out about Elias Pedersen. That's what they're hoping to see from him soon because man, the kids like work rate is just, unbelievable and you could see it on every single shift in this game like like man eventually this effort has to pay off he's got to score or assist or something like there's no way all this like wasted or this energy is going to go to waste like it's got to cat like capitalize somehow and then it's of course like this gorgeous effort where he like wins a puck battle chips it to himself races down the boards and then like while diving after drawing in two attackers like just casually one arms a pass to a wide open Pearson to just like shelf it over Matt Murray, who was absolute garbage yesterday. Oh, so I, have, I have plenty to say on Matt we, Murray. You're the goalie guy and we'll get into him in a bit, but yeah. yeah, that was my highlight of the night. Obviously there's like, you know, the, the Sutter hat trick was, which is just yeah. like the funniest thing ever. Yes. But yeah. So what, what was yours as so for me, and I'm saying this not because the uh, I I think for most people, obviously it's the Sutter hat trick because how again full it's a it's a full moon night when you get something like that happening, right? It's yeah. a it's a it's a crazy moment, um, but it obviously is going to get as much attention as possible. So I'm going to go in a different direction, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out a guy who you've been giving a lot of credit to over the la- over as many of our episodes. Mr. Oli Levy getting his first NHL goal just on a booming shot from the blue line. That was uh, really great to see just because, like, he scored and he was so sheepish about it. And, like, he kept <laughs> doing this thing where he's like, you know, like, like <laughs> he's, he's like, doing, oh, like, the bash, you guys, ah, like, oh, you guys. Like, it's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs bashful. Like, he's kicking his foot <laughs> in the dirt and he's just like, oh, shucks, fellas. Oh, I didn't it was mean nothing. to score. Like, it was really great as someone who's like watched them the last two seasons and been like man i have i have my doubts like i didn't mean to sound like meryl streep in doubt but i had such great doubts you won't <laughs> understand that reference anyone who's uh, seen the movie doubt will will maybe know so like the one percent <laughs> of our audience might know that reference but i'm sure we got some movie buffs buffs i hope thing. so because that's a really good good reference it's a great movie but <laughs> I had tons of doubts just because he was burned on the outside so often that his turning speed, like you just, you know, he's going to get destroyed by like any NHL forward with speed. And we saw that multiple times against the Oilers. We saw it even again against the flames a few times by Rasmus Anderson and Elias Lindholm. And for him to have like a pretty calm game where no one on the Sens is really even trying to beat him on the outside. He's winning all his puck battles. He's making smooth passes. And then after a very smooth, calm game, he just like tees one up from the blue line and beats like Murray, like block or glove side. And he's just completely clueless. 
that's great <laughs> for him because it's like been like a brutal journey like he was dra- drafted 2016 it is january 26 2021 we're like yeah. five months away from it being six years he, or five years away like that's that's a yeah. long road to get to your first nhl goal and you could see it on his face how like happy he was and how relieved he was and uh yeah props and to it him. wasn't a, and it wasn't a bad one either it was a good shot no, it was a like great it wasn't shot. it wasn't just a completely weird knuckle puck or anything yeah. and like you said he had a steady game like i don't think i don't think it's too crazy to say that i mean he just looked like an nhl defenseman which yeah, he is what fine. you've been waiting like, for. That that's the Which thing is, is that's he didn't, the big thing. He didn't stand out in like a way where you're like, oh, he's going to be in NHL forever. He just had a fine game, which is like the t- kinds of games he needs to have from here on out. But the problem is, like, it's just his, frankly what the Canucks need right now. You only yeah, need you need you fine. need steady. You need <laughs> steady. You need uh, not so much risk necessarily, especially on that bottom group. And he looked solid as a rock. He yeah. was the more comfortable guy on his pairing. Uh, I mean, there was like the well, whole thing yeah, with, when you're uh, paired with Myers, like with Myers and, and there was, wasn't there like the whole thing where you levy did the Tyler Myers slide, but actually executed yes. it correctly. He's doing all the things that you want kind of out of, out of the other guy who you're paying a lot more money to. And there he is. Lot. And, there, yeah. and there's Oli Levy looking like a guy who belongs in the lineup on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And that was uh, fantastic. Obviously like the asterisk for, for for me is like obviously like the Sens don't have the kind of forward or offensive talent that like the Oilers or the Flames have so like they're not threatening Uolevi by burning him on the outside and like making him look like a complete idiot so there is that asterisk like you know there are still some glaring holes in his game that obviously need to be fixed and are in a huge work of progress but you look at his game against Montreal on Saturday and he had that one play where he queued up a huge bomb from the left wing that ricocheted off the post, the loudest ping like you'll ever hear this season. And then it immediately turns into a goal for the Habs who capitalize on the rebound and like such bad luck, like just like the worst luck. And like any other coach would be like, well, you Levy should have got back faster. So I'm going to scratch him, but no, Green sticks with him. He has a completely fine game against a really unintimidating Senators lineup. And he's rewarded with his first NHL goal. Again, still a lot of work to to really get there where you're like, he is going to be an NHLer full time. But it's little steps like these. It's the little things. One step at a time. We should have called this the little things cast because like (laughs) we're all about the little things. (laughs) <laughs> I, I feel like that I feel like that would uh be uh I feel like people would uh take would uh think that means something else. I don't think yes. that would mean yeah, that might be interpret misinterpreted a little yeah. bit. I'm 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 okay with the name we've got compared to that one. <laughs> the, the Little Things podcast brought to you by Armor All Hot Dogs. And Manscaped. <laughs> yeah. And Manscaped. Yeah. <laughs> uh we are not sponsored by Manscaped, so uh yeah, they, skip that for but the if record they, so we don't but, get sued. But hey, if if you guys want to, Manscaped at DM DM us. You <laughs> yeah. totally can. Totally um, slide our DMs. Yeah, but, and, and it's it's amazing how on any basically any other game that that Yulevi goal is probably the big goal of the night. Yeah. It's probably the highlight. But mm. he just happened to do it on a night where Brandon Sutter decided to turn into Connor McDavid for about yes. for for sixty minutes, where the middle six decided to. Basically, make way. up make up for everything that the lotto <laughs> line had not been doing for the like pretty much since the start of the season, 
yeah. when I say that, I don't mean like all three of them because I do think that Besser has been probably a top five forward for the Canucks. Unfortunately, he's on a line with two players who have looked like complete ass all season. They're just, yeah, they're starting, they're starting in a weird spot. We have, we'll have a lot to talk about with them for sure. Yeah, but like, I mean, we can get into a lot of line right away. Do you, like, do, do, do we, we, we don't want to butter everybody up with more fun, with more good things or <laughs> well, <laughs> before we get into we'll the, wrap around we get into the, to the dark part of the story. Let's, let's quickly get into the lot of line just before I forget okay. like all the sure. little points I have and then we'll wrap it around with Niels Hoglander because I love sure. that kid. Yes. Uh, but the lotto line, like you, I looked at the natural stat trick stats after the game and it was like Elias Pettersson spent most of his time against the Senators middle six in matchups. So it was like Nick Paul, Artem Ansimov and Chris Tierney or something like that. Completely fine NHLers, but like they're not, you know, the McDavid line. You know what I mean? No. It's not like the top top line versus top line. He's getting like favorable matchups and he was getting caved like, significantly cave like he had i think against good branson like eric good branson of vancouver canucks fame i think he had two course he two shot attempts for and eight against in like six minutes of shared ice time like that is about as like alarm bells ringing you can get when it comes to Pedersen's play from like the past like seven games like i don't know what's up with him I don't know if his play is tied into Miller's play or vice versa, because from the get-go on on yesterday's game, Monday, mm-hmm. Miller was like pissed off from the, the start, according to yes. Thomas Drance from like the warmups. Yeah. yeah, some people gave Drance real like flack about mentioning that which is which is great which That's is the dumbest like, thing I, ever. Like, it's ridiculous shit. because like, yeah, it's not like he's it's not like he's being like oh this guy looks like he's gonna be trash tonight or something or giving yeah. like an opinion he's literally just saying hey he looks frustrated yeah and that is something you should look out for body language mm-hmm. pe- for all the people who are always like it's not about you know it's not it's about it's about the eye test you know those people like that's if if there's a reason to look at kind of like eye test stuff that's mm-hmm. one of them Body language is important. Body language is a big thing. One of the things I brought up during the with the Canucks during the playoffs, uh, during the playoffs, is that when they were doing well, like during that whole playoff, they looked like they were having a hell of a time. They looked like they yeah. were having fun, which is which. And I think that play, and I don't think that, and I think I don't think it's a coincidence that they did so well. And and I, I don't I think those two correlate. I even if it, yeah. even a little like, bit. Even though they were getting themselves. completely ca- even though they were getting completely caved in by like the knights, like even like their post game videos of them in the locker room, like they look like a like a cohesive unit that was there together and like like all that. But if you have JT Miller, who's supposed to be like one of your on ice leaders, and he's like taking a bunch of garbage penalties and like slamming his stick into the net, breaking it and then hucking it behind him, almost hitting a ref. Like in the second period when like you have a like one goal lead. Yeah. Like what are you doing? Like chill it, out. <laughs> it's 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 I I wonder like I do wonder about the whole like if it is I like I respect the whole he cares enough that it's pissing him off. I do sure. think that's I do like I do I would I would be concerned if say things were going that poorly 
and it just looked like it didn't matter. Like it just kind of, he just got, but I, I right. guess it depends. It's kind of like, there's a fine line. There's like a line, there's a, there's, it's a spectrum, right? There's a little, there's a, there's like a good middle ground where you're still like upset that you're not doing well, but maybe right. you're just not like sw- breaking, yeah. thing, breaking everything in sight. Um, and I mean, uh, and actually I have a tweet to kind of help like illustrate just how much they've been struggling right now. Uh, this is from before yesterday, but this is a, a Greg Wyshynski tweet. Um, according to Evolving Hockey, the Canucks uh, line of Brock Besser, Pedersen, and Miller has an, has an expected goals for percentage at 24.7%, which is second worst for any line in the NHL that's played over 25 minutes together at 5-on-5. Five five. And Yikes. that was before yesterday. And yeah. yesterday got worse. Yes. It's... And it's 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 really it's 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 really concerning from a whole lot of points because again, I mean yeah, yesterday the Canucks got extremely lucky, um, but also it just happened that all of the supporting cast that where they decide where them all having their big night happened to correlate all basically on the same night, right? And they were able to completely make up for the lack of lot of line scoring, but it doesn't bode well going forward and i think the big and now you're getting almost to a cert to a to a crossroads here if you're travis green uh to the point of like is it do you is this just a matter do you wait it out and see if they can and see if they'll get over and struggle or do you make the albeit more risky the what seems like the the smarter but more risky move frankly which is to split them up and to start playing them on different lines is that kind of where we're leading or do you think that this is just a is this a funk that they're just going to get out that they'll get out of sooner rather than later green strikes me as the type that like if he was to break up the lotto line permanently he would have no choice but to like fudge every other lineup to make that's the toughest part to split it up in such a way where like the line still made sense but i don't think they're deep enough for or i don't think their chemistry is good enough where they can just like take besser and then shake up the hoglander porvat pearson line and all of a sudden it's going to be just as effective like obviously chemistry is a big part or big a part of this team so i think likely will happen is he's just going to leave things the same and probably hope that they just score their way or like eventually get themselves out of their own slump on their own i was kind of of the mindset like after seeing some of those stats that Pedersen had against like, like, like I'm not joking. Like this is basically an AHL team yeah. with like a couple tweener NHL. Brady bets Kachuk. Like it's Brady Kachuk. It's Thomas Shabbat. It's uh, that's, and uh, it's Tim Stutzla. Yeah. Norris. Who's injured. Who's like, injured at the time. Yeah. They have their young guys. They're yes. there where they are right now is where the Canucks were. I think the year before Pedersen almost like they're kind of at that spot where they had like Horvat and Besser were both kind of just dragging a bit of a sad right. team, but they don't the, have the Sedins over the finish line. Like, oh, take with, them the, over the hump, with the Sedins. Right? right. Exactly. So, so they're, they're kind like, of in that spot right now. Yeah. They're in that awkward stage where it's like, they don't have any high end skill to basically take them over the hump to like work through some of the awkwardness. They're basically dependent on a bunch of U23 players to score their way away out of their issues. And they had something they have to do because Matt Murray has been like just God awful in their mm-hmm. games this season. So, but, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's just a concern. It's concerning mostly with Pedersen just because 
there's not i don't know what else there is to do here i mean yeah i i I, it's tough because you know you know we all know what he's capable of we know when he finds that when he finds the switch he's like one he is one of the best players in the national hockey league Mm -hmm. so i guess you almost you do wonder you do wonder if there's like something else going on um because people humans are complicated injuries humans are complicated they're you know, you don't, you never know. You, you never no know what's happening like, with people, especially like you never know if like maybe just like things are going not so well off the ice or something. You don't know. Yeah, you this no, is the like, kind of stuff that you don't, we don't have any control over and they don't have any. To right. have things going on in life. It is just like so concerning because he is a guy who has set such a high bar for the fan base with his like raw skill and his talent that to now be eight games in, and coming off of a game against like one of the worst teams that Canada's seen in the last like five years, uh, to see him come away from that without a point, mm-hmm. like that's like he's at one point or one goal, one assist or something right now. Like it's not like Brandon Sutter has more goals yeah. than Patterson right now. It's like the one alarm the... bells are like kind of ringing, but they're a bit in the distance, and everyone is kind of just like got fingers in their ears right now because they're just like holding on for the hope that he's going to come out of it and score his way out of it. And like, that's kind of what you hope happens because you can't guarantee or you can't rely on games like Monday where the bottom six or the middle six can outscore away their problems. Like that's not going to happen all the time. Sutter isn't going to score a hat trick every night. So like Tyler Mott isn't going to score a goal every single game. Jay Beagle isn't going to be, driving end to end to set up mod net front like that's not (laughs) gonna happen every single game and it's not gonna it can't be like on niels hoglander to carry the team's like two-way matchup line every night that can't happen so everyone is just like waiting with bated breath that like he figures it out or miller snaps out of whatever's got him down and they can kind of put something together but like yeah it's just not encouraging in the slightest Yeah, and I mean, one other thing that's worth bringing up, um, and I say that, again, as somebody who agreed with the, with the, with this particular decision from management, uh, which was uh, that, and this this was, I believe, in a Patrick Johnson article, he talked uh, recently, he talked about how when things were going tough for Pedersen in the last couple seasons, the guy he turned to was Jacob Markstrom, who's yeah. not there anymore. He was like a bit, he, I believe they used the term like he was like an older brother for mm-hmm. Elias. And I mean, again, I say that as someone who thought moving on from Markstrom was the right decision, uh, right. but that is a problem that you, if that guy, if the supporting, if the support, uh, the support system that a player or a person has disappears, how do you find, how do you find that again? How do you find that again? Yeah. Like that's pretty much what our last episode was, was just ranting about the, like the, the head shaking that we'd been doing in the off season where all these guys who were renowned as like the actual core locker locker room pieces and mentors to the young core were shipped away for nothing or not even shipped away shipped away implies that they gave them up. No, they'd let them go because they didn't have the cap space through terrible, terrible contracts dished out over the last couple of years. And like I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, losing Tanev and Markstrom isn't going to impact like the morale of players. And it's like, well, 
it impacts them are. if you don't if you do, it it certainly impacts them if you're not able to replace them with decent people with decent yeah. people in their stead because from the way the players look at it yes they did add Nate Schmidt and Braden Holpe two very mm. good pickups two two pickups I liked and I still like but to the players if you're a player you're looking at that room and you're saying and you're and you're seeing well that's maybe that makes up for two for two people like that maybe yeah. makes up for Levo for Levo leaving and um that's pretty much it like that yeah. that might be it because Great. like that you look at well what with Tafoli you look at Tanev even uh, and again I thought moving on from Tanev was the right decision but still yeah. if you're the players it looks different it's different to you and it does matter because it they set a culture and they set um and they set a a support group in the locker room yeah. that keeps the players morales and the spirits high so um it's a matter of i guess in a way it's almost this is i guess a kind of a hard growing up moment for the for the for the younger guys which is now that they kind of have to learn how to be their own support system and that they are now the leaders then that it's their job to do the same for almost the younger guys even though right. they're young themselves like Patterson's extremely young but yeah. there're going to be some players coming in sooner rather than later that are going to be looking up to him ask for him for what's yeah, uh, like, for how to how to look how to uh how to lead a team yeah like the hand holding period's kind of over for them right so like the other side of you goes like okay you don't need uh Markstrom and Tanev to you know hold your hand through the league. Like you guys are big boys. You guys are stars. Like you should be able to, you know, push on through and find a way yourself to battle through this adversity and get like return to form. And that kind of brings me to the positive sides of the Canucks lineup from Monday is someone who doesn't need his hand held at all whatsoever. Not right now. Niels Hoglander, the hog watch himself, who <laughs> is pretty much just like the Canucks de facto best winger right now. He is wow. unfreaking believable. Like just looking <laughs> at like from a eye test point of view, from an underlying numbers point of view, like every time the kids feet touch the ice, he is much watched, much must watch hockey. He, his speed is unbelievable. His hands are good. His battle is like unbelievable for a guy who's only five foot nine. Uh, I just, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on him? Cause I, I came away just like being like, I was in disbelief that the Canuck, like Jeff Merrick said it the other day when it was like, I uh, really Canucks another one. Yeah. And it was kind of <laughs> like, okay, like he's got his one goal, that, like whatever. There's still a whole season to go before we like evaluate. But we're eight games in, and I'm like, I'm dead set that the kid is like top three for the Canucks right now. Like the Canucks do not win yesterday's game without his effort or what he was creating in the offensive zone for his team. Uh, no one's battling as hard as he does on every shift to retain puck possession or create. Like he is basically what we, I hope Patterson, Patterson's form returns to be because that's how Patterson used to play. He was tenacious on the pucks, even for a guy who wasn't that big. And that's just not there. That fire isn't there at all. And thank God for Hoglander, because otherwise this would be another miserable episode. Yeah. And I've kind of done with those. And yeah. I'm not for Niels Hoglander. So I'll go back to yeah. your thoughts on yeah. his play. 
With Hoglander, I, I was going to almost go in a different comparison because especially because he's the guy who's always getting, who's always going like mucking in the trenches a little bit more uh, along the boards and everything. And he uh, gets to the front of the net. He's the guy that you thought that everyone thought Jake Furtanen was going to be. He's that yeah. guy. He's, the he's that guy. And possibly, yeah, and possibly more because he plays with the, he plays with such tenacity and he really, really is a perfect, he's a perfect He's a perfect, like, a, he is the point of the kind of player that you need for a supporting group. For, yes. like, he, like, I don't think Niels Hoglander is ever, will ever necessarily be a guy that would lead a line on his own. Like, he can no. never, like, I, he's not the guy that you build a line around, but he is the guy that if you put him with a great player, he is going to, he is going, going to, to be an elite p- yes. complementary piece, basically. Exactly. He will, he will elevate. He will probably elevate any line he's sitting on just by his work rate alone. But like you wouldn't he be like, okay, we're gonna put Chris Tierney and Artem Ansimov with you so that you can make them 50 goal scorers. Like that's not what right. you would use them for. You would be no. like, okay, you're gonna compliment Horvat and Pearson, and you the three between the three of you, you guys will probably put up 20 goals apiece. Yeah. He and Horvat are making right now in particular are making each other better. And I think that's like, I don't think like, I mean, you look at, look at Bo Horvat right now. I mean, the guy is tied for the league lead in points with 10, which yeah, has never unreal. been a thing. Bo Horvat has ever, I think no, been in the conversation of at any point, even he's like had early... such an unreal start. And like, like you can, you can almost be like, it's finally the winger for Horvat. And it's just finally. wild to me that it's like it took Erickson being too old to 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 really just like earn his spot by virtue of experience that this 20 year old undersized kid that like on any other green season likely wouldn't have gotten a shot yeah not not to pick on jake or anything but remember at the beginning of the season when we thought that was that was it's like well yeah i guess jake is gonna be online too but nope not anymore yeah. nope. <laughs> nope nope we have a very clear winner in that in that race no um, i mean hoglanders hoglanders tied for third in rookie points with four yeah. right now the only two people ahead of him are krill kaprizov who's amazing and actually making the and wild like interesting to watch. years old Yes, and he's an older guy. And yeah. uh, Ty Smith, who is a defenseman that I have never heard of. But <laughs> uh, yeah, for the Devils, right? Yeah, yeah. for the Devils. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Hoglander's tied with like, and Hoglander is only tied with uh, is tied with Josh Norris on the on the Sens, and then another guy who I'd never heard of, P- Pius Suter, who Pius scored Suter. a hat trick. Who scored a hat trick the other day against yes, the Red so Wings? Asterisk. Yeah. Uh, but still, like, I was like, wow, we're getting to like some teams are getting into like that rebuild point where even I, person who watches hockey religiously, has no clue who they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hoglander is playing such a is is such a perfect complementary piece, and you hope that this is kind that this is that this is not just like a hot start, and it's not there is. Obviously, there's going to be a bit of a point, in, especially in the rookie year, where teams start maybe paying a little bit more extra attention to him. They might not be as much right now because he's not a Pedersen or a Besser or a Horvat. They're maybe kind of leaving him, right? They're not leaving him as kind him. of secondary. Yeah, and that I mean, we saw that with all the other Canucks rookies that have come through, where they would all start red hot because they're great and nobody and was paying nobody attention had the to them. Book on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but then later they started to, the production just crept down a little bit as they went, just because that's just a matter of being so good that 
teams need to force themselves to start paying more yeah. attention to you. And that's probably going to happen with Hoaglander at some point, but that doesn't mean you should worry at Certainly. any point. They're, he's gonna. He's doing. He is showing exactly what the Canucks need, which is a um, a guy who can fit perfectly in that top six. And then say you can. And then you can really start looking at now. Uh, how do we start improving? Say like the third line and making and adding more scoring to those lines as well. And making. Yeah, so, I, although last night that wasn't so much of the case. <laughs> no, but like I when I was doing my game thought. So after I had after I, I finished clipping like the last bits of the game, I'll always do through go through my game thoughts and I'll like just kind of think like, okay, what were some of the like like what moments I thought about during this game about certain players? And then I was like, what about Jake? And then I was like, oh right. Jake Vertanen was in the lineup last night. I totally I, forgot I he was playing. I completely forgot two he was games. playing. Lost two games in a row. I had, I completely was like, oh yeah, Jake Vertanen exists. Where is he? Because I haven't, I haven't even heard his name all night. Like I didn't even remember it. No, like I, I was kind of like slapping my head. I'm like, how could I forget that Jake isn't, or is Jake was playing? And then I thought about, okay, what were some plays that he had? And there was one where he stood in front of the net while the, Sens had possession and were leading a breakout. And then the other play where he was standing in front of the net and the Sens were right, right waiting to do a, bl- a breakout. And I was just like, okay, so if he's not doing anything like in the play with puck possession, then why is he in the lineup? So yeah. get God Ed in there. Yeah. Like why, are you, why is the team, I don't understand why the why team God... sold on it or like, been, I... like getting, getting rid of God Ed? I don't, yeah, I don't I quite get I, that. I, some be, I saw somebody was like, oh, maybe Godet's going to ask for a trade. I'm like, I mean, it's been one game. Maybe chill. Yeah, I don't think he was going to. I don't think he was benched most of the playoffs, and he was fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was he benched most of the playoffs? I only remember like one game. I, I think he played 10 games total. Is that really it? That's shocking. He, he had that awful game against Minnesota in like the first game of the series, and then he was benched for like most of the series until he came back a bit later. Yeah, I don't love, and I don't love that decision because I think one of the best things about Godet is that he brings energy to his mm-hmm. line when he's. And that's why I would book. say switch out Which, him yeah. with Vertanen because Vertanen yes. is anti-energy. Yes, and he, like Vertanen, is someone who, like, on like his best nights, he might carry the puck down the wing and get a shot off that actually matters, or he'll have that one play like he had with Godet where he actually did a no look feed to him for a one timer yes. and it almost resulted in a goal. But, yeah, we gave him huge props for that. Props we, for that. We're, but, we're thrilled about that. But those are two plays in eight games. And I will take Godet busting his ass to try and make something happen in both ends of the ice versus a guy who is obviously needing help from a better piece to produce. Right. And I don't know. I just I, I didn't notice him Monday yeah. at all. I, 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 I straight I forgot agree. he was there. I would hope, I don't hope, I don't, like, asterisk, when I say, like, I want someone to be subbed out, that's not me being, like, I don't like this person, and I hope they fail, and they don't make money, and they're, like, yeah. a loser for the rest of their life. <laughs> I'm looking at, like, the evaluation of a team and what contributes to a team's success, and if that means subbing out Jake for Tannen so that Adam Gaudet, Brandon Sutter, and um, Tyler Mott are a line, sure, yeah. try it. You have nothing right. to lose at this point because yeah. Brandon Sutter isn't a guy who is a puck distributor. His whole game has been he gets the puck and then he 
somehow as like a guy who is slower than molasses <laughs> it's enough space to get off these highlight reel goals and he I mean three yeah. times against the senators and then he did it again, like earlier Once against, against the canadians yeah. yeah like by all accounts he shouldn't be doing that but he does manage to pull it off because that's been his mo his entire career yeah just every now and then he just decides oh it's time for me to be elite foundational <laughs> yeah. status and go and just goes off. Well, he just he doesn't use me. Yeah, I guess it's my time to save the day again. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just puts on his Superman cape and he's just ready to go. That and he's Clark Kent. He's just waiting. He just goes like the phone booth and then rushes back out on the ice for his big goal. Yeah, um, and that's that's sort of what like everyone's like critique of Jake is that is like he's never gonna single handedly take over a game. The one time off the top of my head, I can think where like Jake Vertanen took over a game was in the preseason last year when everyone said he was fat and out of shape and like came into camp looking like shit. So they sent him to the Calgary with all the AHL players to play an exhibition game and they were losing. And then he like single-handedly scored like two goals like on his own through his own effort to force overtime and win the game for them against like, and like Calgary's actual NHL roster. Yeah. And that's the one time off the top of my head. I can be like, yeah, that game was because of Jake. I've not felt that way once this entire season so far. And then we're eight games deep and kind of like Pedersen, you just have to wonder, okay, what game is it where it's going to kick in or when is it going to click? And it's just going to be like, Oh, this is the X player of last season. Yeah. See the problem with with Jake, the see the problem with Jake at the end of the day is we've been kind of asking that question with Jake for like five years for like, like we've been asking it for years. When is it going to click? When is he finally? And last year he was good. Last year he was very good. Yeah. The Um, the coaching staff got almost 20 goals out of him through like, some brilliant coaching for an, a full 82 game season like yeah. all the props and, in the world yeah and he did well and i and he he they found him a role that he flourished in uh more or less but yeah. i this year it's not this year especially the team is struggling that it's even more uh it's even more important that if that if a guy like uh like Jake is not clicking and not making things happen and even even if it's just because even if it's not uh, a matter of like with Godet, where sometimes say he tries something risky and it just doesn't work for him, especially because sometimes yeah. he does it and it pays off. That's better than just kind of being out there and just taking up ice time. Mm-hmm. It's and again, some players are steady enough that it doesn't matter. That it, the less you hear them, maybe that's a good thing. But yeah. with Jake, it's kind of you. He you need to be noticing him more than what you're getting out of him. Yeah. And right now, Godet seems like he would be much better for the team, and he would give bring the team much better. Even if I guess if you don't want to put him in the faceoff dot, throw him on the wing. Go for yeah. it. It could really, especially with Mott and Sutter, it could give a little bit more, a little bit more juice and a little bit more of a youth of a little bit of a youthful side to it mm-hmm. that I think they could use. Although again. Last night they didn't. <laughs> Last night uh, they were like, they were good on their own. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's like all obviously like some massive asterisks about the way we evaluate the team when it comes to the the Ottawa series in a vacuum, just because like that's the tough. Th- part. It's it's comparing like a team that's trying to legitimately contend for the playoffs and like a team that's just like a bunch of kids like learning yeah. the ropes. So it's like a part of me wants to be like, okay, like. 
now is the time for players like Jake to like kind of just like show up and you know prove their worth kind of yes and since like that first game like I was I didn't come away thinking like he could the other part of me is like okay get God Ed in there and throw him on the PK yeah like he said all in his uh preseason training like you know uh part of what I want to add to my game is more like a better two-way foundation. He wants to try penalty killing and be more useful to the team that way. And in the camp, they did actually run a bunch of the rookies, like rookies, the young guys through roles that typically belong to Mott or Beagle or Sutter. I'm assuming in the off chance that one of those three gets injured and they need someone else to slide into that role. And a part of me is like, okay, it's senators. They're bad. They are very, very, very bad. So why not get, get God Ed in there and just throw him on the PK and who cares what happens because Matt Murray is in net. So you can make things up easily if you guys at least have one line going. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. on the note of Matt Murray, uh, you being okay. the goalie guy, do you have anything you would like to say about this contentious goaltender? So with Matt Murray, Matt Murray had a bad game last night. Like, I mean, that's no secret. He had yeah. a tough night, um, especially compared to Thatcher Demko, who had his best game of the season, 28 saves. He looked fantastic. Yes. He looked very uh, good. So it was all the more damning for for Murray. Um, I feel, and I, I will say, I saw a tweet earlier today uh, from, I believe it was, uh, it was uh, Canucks Army guy, St- uh, Steve Stefan uh, Roger. Seven Roger, yes, I love yeah. his. I love his work. I love his writing. Yeah. But he did say the phrase that all he did uh, in relation to Matt Murray. He did say like the one thing that always annoys me, which is goalies are voodoo. This just, and he talked about how Matt Murray, two-time Cup champion, to this just proves that goalies are voodoo. I I have to tell you, it's not true. <laughs> goalies are not voodoo. We're just you. There is a poss- There is a method to our madness. With Murray, and I, I, again, we've talked about this, I think, on the show early on, um, how with Murray, he really is was a guy who, he's, like, serviceable. He's okay, but mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of people got over very overhyped on what Matt Murray could be based on the fact that he was playing for the Penguins, who had, at the time, one of the best defense, defense groups in the NHL. Yeah. And... Not only does that mean you're facing less shots, it means the shots you're facing, generally speaking, are less dangerous because you're not going to be taking... Because, again, those, they're not mm-hmm. go, putting together as many, say, uh, giving up as many crazy breakaways like the Canucks have been giving up of late. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the thing with, with, with Murray is that he's, like, just... He can be a starting goalie. He's just uh, He's just more of a serviceable... Fits the fits the type fits the role fits the will take up the ice time kind of goalie. He's not gonna lose you games necessarily. Last night he really was struggling, but generally yeah. speaking, gener- in a general sense, Matt Murray as a goalie, he's not gonna lose you games, but he's also not gonna like steal you a bunch either. He's very very yeah. much in that he fits. If you've got a great defense, he's perfect. He's he's a perfect goalie for that situation. If you've got a great blue line, he will be perfectly manageable. Yeah. And I think uh, I would put Jordan Binnington in a similar in a similar camp here, where they're guys who do very well if your blue line is good, and that is a skill. That is a mm-hmm. that is a handy skill to have. Um, but if you don't have a a fantastic blue, if you don't have a good blue line, 
they're not going to be able to bail you out night after night, like say a Jacob yeah. Markstrom would. Or um, and that and that's kind of what Matt Murray is. The problem with uh, the thing that Otto and Ottawa paid for him like he's a guy who can steal you games. They paid him like he was Markstrom or something, which is exactly very far from what he is. They pay, exactly. Matt Murray is a okay goalie. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he sucks. He I'm saying a, he sucks. You're you're saying he sucks. <laughs> I am not saying he sucks. I am, and I'm saying this is somebody who's been saying this for years. Like this is yeah. a new thing that I've talked about with Murray. I this is something you could kind of see. You could kind of see the little the little like red flags coming up of if like if you sat down and watched the game tape, even from his years where they were winning cups in Pittsburgh, I think you could have seen the red flags coming. Mm-hmm. There were like uh, just in the way in some of the ways he handles he handles rebounds and everything else. Yeah. Um, but, and, uh, and again, yeah, Ottawa is kind of learn, and I think Ottawa is learning a little bit the hard way that that's just not what kind of goalie he is and what they kind of need right now. Like, yeah. it, it's not like with, say, like Craig Anderson, who is relatively good at, oh, here, you can just throw 50 shots on net at me every yeah, single he was a night and saver. I'll be fine. Yes, yeah. exactly. With Craig, with Craig Anderson, Matt Murray is much more of a, I will, if you need me yeah. to make a few saves a night, I will get them for <laughs> yeah. you, but don't ask me to stop a bunch of shots. Now, he could work on that. He's still young enough that that could change, but right yeah. now, that's not the kind of goalie yeah. he is, and last night was a big proof of that. I mean, there are a lot of chances where the Canucks were getting into the slot, and props to the Canucks because they were not doing very well at getting shots in close. And it's something no. that I've talked about before that I really want to see them put more rebound, put more low shots in close and try and mm-hmm. get rebounds from there. Last night they did it to a great degree. That could yeah. also just be due to the fact that they were playing a not great defense. I was going to say, like, but they still did it. Which they is they worked on every goal basically. Like they were, like the work rate from the team in general, like outside of the lotto line, I think was like through the roof, and that's what paid off in so many goals for. That and the face-off dot, like, they were just just clowning on the Sens, like, all night. Like, they up. were just controlling the puck. The only times where the Canucks weren't really in possession of the puck was either off of getting stripped in puck battles or off of dump-ins from the neutral zone, which they honestly probably could have avoided doing because they were just wrecking the Sens with possession. And, yeah, like, some of those goals that, like, Murray let in, like, can't like, hard to fault them like if like if shabbat like like just like flubs the the pass point blank in front of you and it resolves or results in a like scoring chance like how do you react to like your yeah. team's best defender basically just like having a brain fart and just handing the puck over to the opposition like from yeah. point blank range yeah, for the, and we, we, I mean, we've harped, we've, we've definitely uh, clowned, clowned on the Senators a bit in this show, but I do feel like we should note, like their play, their good players had an unusually bad night themselves. They kind of yes. had the game that the Canucks had the yeah. a couple nights ago against yes. Montreal. They kind of had that moment. Um, actually, I think Pierre LeBrun tweeted something today. Like yesterday, Vancouver was melting down. Now Ottawa's doing the same thing today, which to me is almost is almost funny because I'm like, really? Why are you melting down? You guys knew you weren't going to be that good. Like maybe he asked Mike Babcock about that, and that's what he said. 
Oh, 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 why? Why you got to bring that up? <laughs> hey, Pierre Lebrun thought that was a good idea, so I'm going to take any shot Wait. I can at Pierre Lebrun for making such a dipshit article. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess he's never coming on the show. Darn. Um, uh, but, yeah, with Murray, it's uh, just to kind of finish up on the goaltending thing. Yeah. I think, especially because with Ottawa, I, 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 do, I did think that it was a decent pick up for them just because it was going to be a little bit of an improvement from what they had mm-hmm. but the contract i think is going to be a, a tough one to swallow down the line especially because if, yeah i think they have like uh marcus hogberg and uh i, I think it's philip gustafson yeah who was yeah, like, they're supposed to be in the hl yeah they're supposed to be pretty good goaltending during yeah. goaltending prospects and i've liked kind of what uh, at least what i've seen from hogberg over the last couple of years so i'm almost it's it is surprising to me that they signed him for such for that they signed Murray for so long in such term because I think I think those I guys like, might take over sooner rather than later. Yeah, and you're not going to trade Murray. Yeah, it's now that's a tough contract imagine. for them to get out of. Maybe it's, they kind of just need, I mean at the time they also were like I think way below the cap floor so maybe they were just like, kind of trying to like add their stats a bit. Yeah, I mean, so maybe that's it. But they're basically uh, banking on, like you said, they're basically banking on them suddenly developing a decent enough decor that Matt Murray's like glaring weaknesses are covered by a good defense, but, which could happen. They have some good prospects coming up the pipeline. They have, they, have, they have Brandstrom. They have Brandstrom. Oh God, that's, what's that other kid's name? They have some good name. They have some good names. They have a lot of guys who, no, if you I'll give them the time, I mean. Uh, do they, they don't have, do they not, they don't have, uh, they don't have Dylan Tomello anymore, do they? That's, no, uh, he's, uh, he was decent, cause he was good. He's he was Winnipeg decent. now, wasn't he? Yeah, he was decent. I don't know why they got rid of him. Um, yeah, he had really lo- good underlying numbers. He would have actually been a good, he would have been a good help for them last Canucks. night. Yeah. Anything. Oh, the Canucks would have been good too. I would have. Yeah. Been, yeah. But, um, yeah, I saw him with San Jose when he was just kind of getting, when he was getting going, Dylan Tomello had his. Had his good and, moments there, and then sure. he got traded, and the first thing the he Carlson was a part trade. of was uh, the uh, taxi cab thing. Oh, that was a tough go. Poor <laughs> Ottawa. I'm so <laughs> sorry for the, I'm so sorry good. for their fans. At the end of the day, at yeah, the end of the day, their fans are the ones who are really taking it. But hey, they've got a good core. If you if any if auto if any Ottawa fans listen, the solace oh, to take Jake right Sanders. now is that they've got. Pl- oh, there you That's go. That's who it was. I knew there it, was there it is. Yeah. They've so, yeah. got plenty they've coming got, up. They've got, they got plenty coming. Coming. It's just They'll, like they're going to be fine. They're going to be they fine. Be ready well, to elevate their decor by the time Matt Murray is like still in the midst of his deal, they'll be fine provided a certain owner does not ruin it for them. They'll be fine. Um, That's a big ask. But yeah, <laughs> and then you, again, you compare that to Demko, who looked very good last night. Like that was the thing. I've seen a lot of people already, and people already going like, "Oh, now you give Demko the next game and reward him for the great night." And I'm like, "No, just or leave not. them. They're roll. Keep rolling it. Keep rolling the goalies the way they are." Yeah. Um, keep, I know a lot. Keep them fresh, dude. Keep alternating. I know a lot of people are weird about it because it's a new. It's a, it's a very new school way to treat your goalies this way. Yeah. Um, but trust me, it pays off, be, especially because it gives the goalies the time to mentally prepare. For the game before, yeah. it, it, it's nice. No, it's nice knowing that you're almost guaranteed starts. It you're still gonna work for it every single game because you know that one that if things start going really really south, they could just go to the other guy. But mm-hmm. 
it's really not it's really it's really a confidence booster knowing where your where and when your starts are coming it's a yeah. really good thing and it really helps you mentally prepare for games that way and it it keeps things healthy and it keeps it, it keeps things really even keeled for the goalies and i think it'll pay off in the long run especially because yeah. now that they're back home and they've been home for a while i think holtby and Demko are both getting regular time to work with Ian Clark, which is really good for them. And they know when they're going to get that time to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's helping them. And they're looking, they're looking quite good. They're looking like they're playing, they're, 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 it's going to, it's picking up. It's picking up in their favor. Their numbers don't show it right now, but it will. Right. It'll, it will pay off down the line, I think. Right. Well, I think that about covers the Canucks surprisingly fun game to watch uh yeah. do you have any other final thoughts you want to get to do you look like you look like you want to just bring something from up. from a canucks standpoint like are we jumping into like regular stuff after this or yeah we'll just ju- we'll just hop into some nhl news okay the one thing i wanted to touch on that i feel is important is <laughs> Pedersen. elias Pedersen did switch agents now uh, i do have an update on this apparently oh allegedly oh, so apparently he wasn't switching agencies he wasn't like firing his existing agent and moving to someone else. What he was doing was his existing agent was actually kind of negotiating a way where he would fall under the umbrella of the CAA agency or whatever, still be Pedersen's agent, but have like the backing of this big giant firm to help him oh. moving forward. So it isn't like an outright... Like I'm firing my guy and going with like this mega agent who represents, you know, all the guys making big cash. At least that's what I heard while uh, listening to 1040 today. Okay. This is a, okay. So this isn't a, this isn't a, you picked up a sudden scoop or anything. No, no, this this is a, this is, this is public. This is public info. The only scoops I do are ice cream and raisin (laughs) bran. (laughs) <laughs> two <laughs> more you do three scoops because you're just crazy like that yeah There's three I'm, scoops I'm, of raisins i'm literally insane <laughs> you or your whoops all raisins <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best cereal that would be the best <laughs> i don't think it's cereal at that point i think that's a it's box just raisins of raisins and milk. it's just raisins coated in <laughs> Raisin. sugar and milk you could just do that you could just do that regular you don't even yeah. have to buy a cereal for that when your life um, is falling apart at 30 years old that's the kind of meals you can have and it'd be okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. um uh, okay well other that's, than that and that's and yeah that's the although that although it is worth noting that that gives a lot of uh that still gives a, a lot, lot of leeway a lot of leverage to Pedersen and yes. Hughes and then um, I feel like we should still touch on the fact that, you know, yes, things have cooled off a little bit for Jim Betting, but let's be clear here. If you don't live in the, if you're listening to this and you don't live in Vancouver, you're not kind of like super as yeah. tuned into like the radio stuff and everything. People are ra- brazenly talking about the fact that a new guy's coming in. Yeah. Like it's, the it's scene is still very, very, very hot. It's, it's almost like people already it's almost like every it's already a foregone conclusion that he's getting fired that betting is gonna get fired it's just a matter of when yeah (laughs) which is not good for him no um it's not a good look on the fan base either too like 
regardless, no one should be like it's kind but of. But it's not even the fan base. Like I heard people, like like media people, are openly talking about how oh Mike Fuda, like this was in Elliot Friedman's yeah, Thirty One Thoughts fair. today. Uh, Mike Mike Fu- the Canucks have approached Mike Fuda about possibly coming in. Yeah, which is like, which is like such. It's like the worst kept secret in the world, which. Makes me wonder, like, it makes me almost feel bad for Jim Benning in a sense. Just, like, not in the sense of, like, oh, he deserves to keep his job necessarily. But, like, like take like take the knife out. Like, take the knife out. Don't keep, sta- don't just keep stabbing him with it. Like, this is, this By is just me. By that same token, my- <laughs> on behalf of Lyndon and Judd Brackett, you know, you can, you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll like, be people fine. People are talk- talking about Mike Fuda. And Gillis getting brought back and Dale Talon, for whatever reason, still being a thing in the NHL. Oh, God, he'll survive. Oh, no. I love that one tweet from Samantha, uh, Samantha CP underscore, where she's like, if uh, the replacement for Jim Benning is Dale Talon, I'll stick with Jim. Thanks. (laughs) That's that's so funny. 100% agree. Fully agree. I'll take another Um, another bunch of terrible deals if it means avoiding Dale Talon trading Hughes for like Matt Martin in a pick. 100%. But I will say as well, I do think it's important to, to do, to bring up the, to bring up the idea. Like if this is, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yes. And I mean, yeah, again, lots of media people are talking about it because, and they don't, they're not bringing it up because they just feel like it. They're bringing yeah. it up because they have info that would tell them, oh, this is, oh yeah, they, they this saw this the guy's hashtag. in trouble. Yeah, hashtag. this guy's in trouble. They and they have out. like, they have their sources yeah. that will tell them, yeah, this guy's in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, so I, so two things, and there's, so there's two things to keep in mind. Number one. The trade deadline is still in February. It's still, like, I think in late February. If ownership does not want to keep Jim Benning, and I know we've talked about the fact that, hey, do not, don't make any panic moves. Mm-hmm. But if you are, if you're so unconfident in your general manager that you're already looking for the replacements. Usually you, a bad sign. Sh- that's, a, that's a bad sign. And that means you should, you also should not have them at the trade deadline to make changes that you don't want. So if you're going to make a change, do it before the trade deadline at the very least, because Mm -hmm. there's no sense in giving them that extra window to say, make some other completely crazy change that you could, that you could, uh, that could like end up screwing over the next guy, right? Make thing life more trouble for the next guy. So if you're already that have that little confidence, um, and the thing, like the, the example that I come back to, like, this is kind of a little bit of a different, a bit of a different st- case, but I remember like there were a couple of years ago, there was like this, uh, playoff series between Calgary and Anaheim, uh, where, uh, the, the flames had lost the first three games in a row. Mike Smith was the start, was their, was their starting goalie. He had looked really bad and had been pulled, I think once or twice by this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, the coach, who we all know here in Vancouver uh, at the time, was Glenn Gullitson. Uh, going into Game Four, he played Mike Smith again. He cho- he said, "I'm going to play Mike Smith. He's my starting goalie." Yeah. Uh, about five minutes into the game, the Ducks score. It's one nothing. It's one nothing. It's only a one nothing game. Like it's five minutes in. Yeah, that's when Glenn Gullitson decides to take the hook and throw and pull pull Mike Smith in favor yeah. of Chad Johnson, which was so stupid because it's like. 
okay, if you already have this little confidence that one goal was enough to tip the scales, why did you bother why playing? Play why why save you like save yourself and him, the rest of the team, the embarrassment of pulling them five minutes into the game? If it was already that on if they were already on that razor thin uh an iceberg, just pull the pull the plug. Pull don't 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 drag it out and make it more painful than it has to be. Yeah. So if that is the case of where we're heading at this point, um, down the line, maybe things will change. But if that is, if it's that open a secret, don't just drag it out. Do get it done before the trade deadline, make something, make a change. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask you just in the sense of if there was somebody who you would, if, if, if it is this, if this is a foregone conclusion, let's just say it is, let's just say for an, for, uh, brain for exercise, exercise, it is. Exercise to say it, yeah. For exercise, let's say it is. Is there somebody out there, either already in the Canuck system or someone outside or an outsider that if you were in, like part of the hiring committee, who is like the person that you're calling, that you'd so, be calling? So I would put myself, if I'm putting myself in Aquilini's head right now, so I'm very Italian, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm eating my spaghetti, I'm drinking my wine, and oh God. <laughs> I have no faith in my current GM, Jim. I see Elias is struggling. Uh, Jersey sales are plummeting. Uh, Hoglander's pretty fun. Um, My Canucks I'm, marketplace boxes aren't selling as many. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking of putting umlauts on uh, the O over Hoglander so that I can then uh, sell more jerseys to people that already bought them. And then I think, okay, is this the guy that I'm going to want to take my team to the playoffs again? Because... I don't like that I had to basically put a cap on how much he could spend because I think he's cost me $10 million in players that don't even play for me. Like he's got Spooner, Berchi. Oh my uh, God, Spooner. I forgot about him. Like he cost him, Is I don't even know what. He's he's still in the cap, the books. Oh my God. I think another year actually. <laughs> but it's like. Player of five, like five or six games, he, Ryan Yeah, they Spooner. signed him for 17 oh games, if that and then bought him out so he had to pay out like all this cash to this guy who has no bearing on the team uh the furlan deal it's uninsured so he's spending cash on a guy that likely will never play for him under the re remainder of the term of the deal and so he's probably thinking all right i can't afford to hire another guy from the old boys club but i need someone that knows our system enough that can you know at least get us to the playoffs and has the contacts necessary without me spending an extra $5 million a year. So I would promote Chris gear or Jonathan wall, whoever's already there in AGM capacities and promote them to the GM position because you're really, you're, you already have the, those guys salaries on your books. So if you're, you're using the, the shady kind of businessman approach. You're saying, okay, I'm going to promote you to an interim GM role. So that means I don't have to pay you a full GM's contract. So I'll give you like a slight raise, but I'm not going to pay you until you have like proof of concept. And then that way he's not like dipping into, you know, the pocketbooks to pay two GMs, one of them to actually work and one of them not to work. He's basically paying people he would be would be paying for anyway to do more of what he was already getting out of them. So that would be probably what he would do for this season, depending on what happens at playoffs. If they make it, then they make it. you probably evaluate, okay, who's 
who's a forward thinking GM, not of the old boys club who can, you know, do a quick cleanup to set us up and reload for next year. I don't think he's going to want a Dale Talon personally, just because I I don't think he wants a GM who's just going to blow it up with terrible trades and undo all the work that he's put into, you know, rounding out his front office with like a bunch of video scouts and analytics guys. Like it would make, it would be completely counterintuitive. So I would hope he would kind of go more progressive and forward thinking, but Aquilini is a wild card, man. He is a bit of a wild card. Fans called for Gillis to be fired because the team was looking like shit uh, in the playoffs. And boom, it worked. They they missed with Torts. Yeah, it instantly worked. They missed with Torts, and then it was like, okay, I'm going to hire Trevor Linden to be the face while we toil for a little bit and try to get back to playoffs right away. And then it didn't work for seven years, so he gave the guy as much leash as possible, and it didn't work. Yeah. So... I mean, yeah. kudos to Jim for yeah. not having fans in the arena because holy shit, could you imagine what the crowd would have oh, done after that it, game against the Habs? Uh, oh, it would have been like off. it would have been it would have been noisy. Blowing up. It would have been it would have been noisy arena. in the wrong way for them. Um, yeah, I would say I think you're on. The, I think you're definitely. I think you're right. I think that is the way they're going to go, especially because I think it's worth. I think to keep in mind the fact that the Canucks did just lay off a bunch of people during COVID. Yes. It is a, it would be for them to, and then I think most important, I think even more importantly for them to say, do all that, uh, then fire Jim Benning and hire some expensive outsider, uh, would be bad optics. Very, very, very bad optics. So I think it is most likely that somebody from within the system is going to be be higher promotion for sure. And, and even the, and I think I would say go far enough to say that it would be not even interim. Like it would be interim for the end of the year, but then and the off season, they would just take that tag off. They just rip that tag right off. Yeah, Um, probably. But if say, okay. And I, but if say I had blank check, it didn't matter. What have you, if we're just doing anybody out here and they could just go for anybody I've talked about, I I know we've talked about this before, but I'm going to throw an interesting name out there that I don't think has been out there for a lot of people. Would they come? Probably not, but I'm going to throw it out anyway, because there's somebody who I think it would be an interesting person to at least get an interview, which is Alexandra Mendrake. She, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She is the director of hockey admin administration for the Kraken. Uh, she previously had been like, uh, in analytics, uh, in the analytics department for the wild. Um, and she's, and, uh, she had a huge hand in assembling the Kraken front office, including hiring Ron Francis as the GM. Yeah. Which uh, is a bit kind of which is weird, a bit, which is weird, but also yeah. <laughs> like, but it's also like, it's also really interesting. I would say it's important. It's crazy that she was given that much power to actually basically pick to pick who's going to be in charge of the management and everything and mm-hmm. pick their department, their scouting department, everything hired some really smart progressive people. They've done a really good job at putting at surrounding Ron Francis with like a very well-rounded staff of people with different thinking and different backgrounds, which I and, like. And then let like, him hire all of his old hockey bros. <laughs> Did did they? They didn't. Yeah. But they did not. But they didn't hire two. But they still have they a good. Quite a they, bit. But I think that's good. But I think it's good that they have like a a very. But again, like I think it's but, important yeah, that if they it's, got if so it's many different. Sure. Yeah, it's just it, they got a good spectrum of thinking, like old school and new school, which is kind of what you need to sell to people mm-hmm. at this point, right? 
Yeah. Um, I really like the idea of the Canucks going to her, calling her and saying, hey, we and calling her in for an interview to be the GM. I think I think if she's given the power, being given the power to hire GMs for other teams, uh, especially particularly an expansion team where the GM is the basically it's that's like the big like that sets can set your franchise uh forward or backwards years if you're giving someone that kind of that kind of power that means they've got something going they know what they're doing they have something there it's a bit of a wild card because they again she hasn't held she hasn't held a gm position before right you would have to be hoping that the seattle proof of concept actually is successful in its first year which would kind of not run in congruency with the Canucks yeah. timeline for hiring a new GM. Yeah. But I and like especially, what you're thinking is that like and, going young and, you know, getting a completely going young, different would, set of eyes. Going with, basically. Yeah. Going with that and somebody who has an analytical background is nice. Um, sure. Is nice as well. Um, and then, I mean, uh, and then uh, what else was I going to put in there? Yeah. It's the obvious. Would they come? Would she come? Probably not because, again, the Kraken haven't played a single game. I don't yeah. know. Um, I mean, if say the Canucks called and were like, "Hey, we're gonna offer you without an interview, GM, right now," maybe she'd Probably say yes. Takes it. Yeah. But, but I, I don't think that's how it'd go. And hey, like I just like the, and I think it would be cool to see the idea of teams being more open about, hey, like no, like she's not, she's very clearly not one of the old two hundred hockey men. She would be if the Canucks gave her job, she'd be the first woman to ever GM an NHL team, which would be pretty darn cool. That would, would be, be a cool. good and a good and I think it's a good I think it would be a good stepping stone at least to see like even if they just called up and asked and inquired I think that would show sure. from the Canucks standpoint that they're willing to look yeah that they're open to something but to something different yeah. to I trying think... something that's not just off the same path as everybody else and I think that's yeah. what's most important for this team right now at the end of the day we you and I both know though that if. Aquilini invested seven years into Jim Benning and he got one playoff run. His next GM is going to be someone he knows is like an experienced guy. He's not going to be a first time GM. He's going to be someone with experience. Hey, so Mike Gillis was the first, Mike Gillis was the first time GM when they got, when they hired him. Granted. Pretty, okay. And he got president Strovis. So in all the years that Aquilini has been owner though, all these first time GMs, how many cups does he have? Uh, he doesn't uh, give a well, shit anymore. He he needs. I mean, I mean, inspirational fu- cups, metaphorical <laughs> cups. What are we talking here? Yeah. Then we got a the, lot. <laughs> yeah, that's what they they're looking for at the end. Well, you know who's a GM that they're not going to hire? That's who? John Shaka, who N- was suspended no. <laughs> by the league for conduct unbefitting of the league itself. Um, Fun fact: John Chaka actually was in the Canucks. De- was actually within the Canucks kind of department yes. at one point under Mike Gillis. So that yes. is interesting. a contract. A contract, contract. that Jim Benning did, chose not to renew with Stathletes, and kind of, in a way, led to John Chaka being hired by the Arizona Coyotes because he wasn't strapped roundabout. to a team in a roundabout yeah, way. Yes, in a roundabout way. So that's actually kind of interesting, um, but. The only reason I kind of wanted to talk about this is that as soon as the ruling was dished out that Sheka was suspended by the league until the end of this year, 2021, you saw all those dumbass takes being like NHL one analytics zero take that analyst. Like 
I I really need people Bro, to understand it, that it, this it, isn't about all the analytics. People are like, uh, he's not ours. Don't pull. Don't give him to us. He has nothing to do with analytics. Yes. So for anyone listening to this that doesn't quite understand, John Chaka's bread and butter was a company he founded called Stathletes, which was like a pretty unique for its time company that sold or tracked and sold proprietary data that they owned and kept private to NHL teams, uh, and, NHL, sorry, NHL teams, AHL, like any sports team in general, they collected the data, they created the reports, they did whatever it was, gave it to the teams and only them and only them alone had access to it. At one point, the Vancouver Canucks had a like, a contract know, like just a, to work with them, like just a significant contract for funds to be. I think at one point they could have bought Statlets entirely. I think that was yes. an option on the table for Aquilini, and they decided to. Shut yes, it and they down. decided it wasn't worth it at the time. But the rapport that Cheka had as this analytics guy technically was only like on face value because the the hockey analytics community is very like interwoven with like a community aspect As you of all it. Know. It is all peer driven. It is all like everyone figures sharing out the research. formula for something. They're sharing research. They're sharing methodology. They're they're all working in unison to find the best ways to quantify and evaluate uh, hockey players and hockey play to best identify players and stuff like that. Right, And because Stathlete's model was privately held, nobody knew what they were actually measuring. Nobody had any clue or has any clue what the, like the KPIs, what the, what kind of measurements they were taking to evaluate, you know, who was a good player to draft, who was a good NHL player to, to sign. Nobody had a single clue. So the hockey. And when we say. And when we say private, like, we don't just mean, like, we don't even just, we don't just mean, oh, like, you had to pay a subscription fee. No, you had to no. be a team to get it. You could you not just go and be like, oh, I would like to buy, open an account for whatever amount of month, like, yes. you might see on, like, a Patreon nowadays yeah. uh, or something like that. No, completely private unless you ran a major sports franchise, a sports franchise, you did not get a look at those numbers. And private in the sense that it was, it was confidential where the methodology and the science or math behind whatever kind of reports they were generating were kept confidential to staff themselves. Yes. And at one point, this is like a little bit of a side tangent, but Jason (laughs) Botchford had a athletic oh. piece about this and said, how is it not a conflict of interest that John Chaka's sister runs the company he once owned and sells this proprietary data to existing NHL teams that compete directly with John's team, the Arizona Coyotes. I did a whole Patreon episode on all that uh, when he got fired. When he subscribe the, the patron, team. we'll yes, drop subs- that at the very end of the clip. But yes, subscribe. I, I did like forty minutes on it. Good because is, it's at the end of the day, the whole point being there was so there's so much secrecy around the staff leads that the hockey analytics community that is very based on Twitter and blogs and stuff like that, who like you know work together all the time, basically were shrugging their shoulders going. We don't know what it's about. We don't know what Stathletes values more than the analytics community, which is usually pretty in line with each other for the most part. For and all for all we know, theoretically, you could be getting just you could be getting nearly just as good 
uh, stat statistics from the people free from the free yes. online guy for or like the pay or like the send send some money in the tip jar guys. Yeah, then from you the might be guys, from South right? because and we but again we have no way of verifying whether yes. that's true. No but idea. for all we know, that is could be it could be just as good. You don't know. Yes, and at the end of the day. Uh, this proprietary model that Stathletes had that John basically parlayed into uh, an executive GM position got him this label as being an analytics GM, which, again, is true in face value, but not necessarily analytics the way that the hockey analytics community views themselves as analytics people. So and certainly not in his roster moves either. A lot certainly of his not in his roster moves, moves. ran very con uh, counter to what an yes. good analytics would be considered. Most analytics would have looked at some of the moves the Coyotes have made over the past four years and been like, "What kind of models is he using?" Because yes. the players that they identified or that they drafted and then immediately flipped for aging players makes no sense whatsoever. And so you have to wonder, like, okay, did this guy, like, I saw this joke a lot is uh, Cheka pulled off the greatest grift by basically <laughs> conning the Arizona Coyotes into convincing him or them that he was an analytics guy when he really didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Ooh. And that's not what we're saying. I'm not <laughs> no. saying he doesn't know what he's doing. Obviously, he was able to create and grow and build a, like, a million dollar you can't do that analytics you company. Do that you can't nothing. do that with nothing. Uh, Megan Sheka, like I love her Twitter with all the stuff that she puts out there. Yes. I didn't like the way she handled Jason Boschford calling out the conflict of interest. I, I didn't mm. really like. I've never, I don't think I've seen her response to that. Her, but Her uh, response to it was like, it was kind of glossed over the conflict of interest issue that he was uh, talking about and said it was because she was a woman, which yeah. wasn't really the issue he was raising. Yeah, the main, again, uh, just to kind of like clarify, especially like the main conflict of interest here being, like if you think about, again, just to think about it critically, if you're an NHL GM, why on earth would you, if you're an NHL GM who theoretically has this, has this uh, secret key to building a great team to win a championship, yeah, why would you give it to your opponents? Why would you ever give it to the other teams? And why would you sell it to the other teams in the league? Why would you let them have access to it? Which is the great, that great question. And it's a great question that Botch raised at yes, the time. Yes, exactly. And that was a few, that's a few, it's that's, been a that, few that years That was a few years ago, now. yeah. But yeah, totally interesting. It's it's very curious. And yeah, just that, just had needed to throw that asterisk out there that like Sheikah's suspension by the league is completely warranted, grant you. Yes. Like to... And apparently it's not even about the it's not even about the draft combine stuff, which is No, it's not about the cheating of the weird. draft, which is like, yeah, if you have this proprietary data that no one has access to and you have your own methodology, why are you <laughs> cheating at drafts? Like how garbage is your system? <laughs> why are why are you cheating on the combine? <laughs> yeah, like, like why are you why do you need to see them weightlift a couple you, times? You need more? Cal- <laughs> I well I loved I loved Botchford's piece because he in in his thing pointing out the conflict of interest he's like there was one part where they were saying they were measuring the size of people's brains 
and doing oh brain God. scans to see <laughs> their, like, right. like the way they could react to puck action and stuff like that. And so I'm picturing like them doing a pre combine with calipers on like people's um, head yeah. sizes and being like, yes, this is the man we want. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally picturing like Mr. Burns and Smithers, like, like getting like Smithers hand me the ice cream scoop. It's damn it. <laughs> damn it. So this isn't rocket science. It's brain surgery. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're just exactly. like like cutting open the head it just and like, oh, nonsense. it is it is <laughs> like a cartoon a... <laughs> what they're pulling off yeah yeah that's literally what i'm imagining yeah so like his, his suspension like oh, it's man. completely warranted like apparently the guy was like overtly trying to get himself out of his contract with the arizona coyotes to move up into a better position which, which is... i don't know how like if you're the if you're the GM running a company or running a billion dollar well Coyotes million multi million dollar franchise yes one hundred percent I I'm not too sure where do you go from there unless you're selling well, staff to go up to another to, to another to ownership well, to levels to, is my guess. yeah so or going up to like another G, a GM position to say a higher profile like an original team six or something like that sort but, of thing yeah but but yeah total goof. But this is not reflective of the actual hockey analytics community who are very welcoming to very guys nice like myself who just like do their own random weird stats on Excel and, sheets for And me, teams. guy who does not understand what he's looking at 99% exactly. of the time. But I'm trying. I think yes. that's something that I, again, I, I guess I'm technically I test guy because I don't know any better. But I'm trying to learn because I think it's because... At the end of the day, it's all just tools that you're trying to learn to make yourself a better at better at analyzing and evaluating talent. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully I can learn it some. I th- I think I'm getting better. I think I like I can understand the general like ABCs of it now, oh, which yeah. I couldn't before. And that's really and it's good. It's it's and they're very good. They're very great about answering your questions if you have them, which I often do. Well, speaking of learning and learning to grow and develop yourself. <laughs> Great, we have a trade to announce. Great transition. Holy, that was thank a lead. Thank you. A little clap and chat for that one. Um, yes. Winnipeg trades Patrick Laine and holdout Jack Roslovic to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Pierre-Luc Dubois and a 2022 third-round pick. Note, they retain salary on Laine's current bridge contract. Hmm. Um. We talked about a possible Line Dubois deal in like our very first episode. <laughs> and we were like, I guess it could make sense. And we talked about how Roslovic was from Columbus and how it would make sense. But like, I don't know why uh, Columbus or Winnipeg would think this is a good idea for their teams. But here we are, uh, less than three here we weeks, are, or four weeks like since our first hey. episode. And, um, Patrick Laine is on the IR list and he hasn't made his debut for Columbus and yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois has not made his Jets debut yet either. COVID restrictions. COVID restrictions, yes. baby. But the Canucks will not have to play Dubois the, the first time they play the Jets, which is next week, I believe. Yes. So lucky this for that. Be, lucky them. <laughs> yeah. Lucky them for now. They will not get him when he's guns a blazing, looking to make a statement in his first few games as a, member of the North Canadian North division. They mm-hmm. maybe, maybe he'll be a little tired by the time they see him later down the road, hopefully. But yes. the jets really solidified themselves with like a, like a great 
center depth now. They have they have a good group. Shifley, they have and Dubois. And then, like, one of Lowry or whoever the fuck it is. Cobb, yeah, who's playing I, center on their fourth line. Parole. Who, it doesn't matter. That top three, like, back-to-back-to-back to back to back is really legit. That's yeah, that's a tough it's, center. It's high level. Track. Now, the more it interesting part about this whole thing, I say that as I wear my Jets Heritage jersey. Traitor. Um, <laughs> I'm devastated, personally, to see Line go because I just... <laughs> I can't reconcile in my brain getting rid of a like generational goal scorer from Finland again. That's too much for me. <laughs> again, <to> take. <laughs> that's right. I can't take that. It it's hurts Teemu. my brain. It's it hurts my heart. Too. But I am so curious to see what happens to Line A under a Tortorella system. Like, is he going to be such a good gold goal scorer that he that Tortorella is like, no, I'm not going to ask you to play a two way game or block shots. You can do whatever you want. Or are the Jackets just setting themselves up for disaster? And did they just bring in a player who isn't going to gel with their coach? And are they going to then get rid of their coach because he doesn't gel with the guy they just traded for? That's There's that's, so much to take away from it from the Columbus side where you're like, did they just make their bed with the coach? I mean, hey, they got... I mean, so... They get two players. I mean, they get two players out of it with Line A. I, I, I do think Line A has been talking about how he wants to be more responsible in his defensive end. I think that's been something that he's been trying to work on. He was uh, fine last Winnipeg. year, too, as far as I was concerned. I thought he okay. made some significant improvements in that end. Well, there. You, um, well, that's well, that's and that's a good start. I think with yeah. I think he is he is a bona he's such a bona fide good for thirty goals guy every single year even on like that one weird off year he had yeah that I mean I don't I think it's a good I think it's a good fit there for him I think he's going to I think he's one of, I think he will flourish a little bit in the fact that he's not going to be so much in the no I don't want to say not the spotlight because. I don't think Columbus is a because Columbus isn't a small market. Well, it's he'll small be in the by NHL standards. By virtue of being an actual star on that team, yes. But he's not going to. But it's not like in Winnipeg, say, where they're on national television on a yeah. regular base on a right. on a on a weekly basis. Yeah. Frankly, right. And so you're not at a little bit less, just a little bit less under the microscope. I think that will help. Right. Um, and I think. It is. It's interesting how quickly this came together, especially because I mean I don't know if you saw the Dubois shift, the shift. It was um, bad. It was bad. I mean I thought it was tort. Like it was one of those you thought it was like when you see the when you ba- hear about it you're like when you hear oh, how the bad Dubois, could it be? you're like well you think you're thinking like oh this is torts this is just classic torts all over again because I mean sometimes yeah. that is a that is a very torts thing to do if a guy mm-hmm. is not performing to bench him for the rest of the game but then you actually watch <laughs> yeah. the shift you watch the shift you're and like, you're like oh, oh yeah oh. that is that's a that is yeah there's no hustle there nope. there is like this was this was a guy I, I i don't know if it was on purpose i mean i assume it was a little bit on purpose it must have been it was, it was a was sending pathetic. a message of tr- it was the slap shot trade me right fucking now yeah it was sort straight of up thing. just like he might Here, as well gonna, have worn a shirt uh, <laughs> that just said i it's gonna be like this all year if you don't trade me I, or i'm just here so i don't get fined that's, yeah that's that what was he what that was that's what that he literally was. he literally was just like gliding around the ice there was one puck battle where he just kind of goes 
eh. And just kind of, just takes a little bit of a poke at the puck and immediately loses it. And it's going the other way and he just glides back. It's like, oh, like that is, like, like he was, it was cringy to watch. It was, like, it was, it was very clearly a guy sending a message of, please get, please get rid of me right now. And... I guess, and it was very much a Columbus needed to get, it was a clear headache that Columbus needed to get rid of because what are you going to do, bench him for the rest of the year? You're going to bench a prime asset like that? You have to get rid of them. Yeah, you got to do it before his value is just like completely plummet and you you get nothing in return. Like they jumped on it early enough where they managed to get the Jets like star winger and goals, like prime goal scorer and like a bottom six center who's like okay in exchange for like a guy who was never going to try for them so long he was on the roster. Yeah. So like Columbus cleaned up. Yeah. And I think even for, and I think even in Winnipeg's case with line, a, I think there was like, um, there were, there was some stuff of like the, like the locker room was not doing so well. Yeah. I didn't uh, like that. There was a bit of a, there's a bit of a divide going there. And this was yeah. kind of part of Growing why since the, their playoff run, apparently where Wheeler yes. was way, like ultra hard on like the young kids which is like i don't know i just get vibes of like all the stories of like abuse and hazing and crap like that yeah. and i'm like like if this I is mean, what's coming out like what uh, what else what isn't coming out yeah we don't Winnipeg know if it goes has a i mean there was the, there was the track this. suit there was the track suit thing with evander kane yeah uh that was real bad yeah um they there's definitely a history there uh, with the young guys getting kind of a little bit, a little bit uh, railroaded sometimes, mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, and uh, that's probably part of, and that might, well, that definitely might have something to do with why Line wanted to go and was ready to go, and maybe Jack Roslovic too. I don't know for sure, but it could have been. Yeah. Um. Um. And at the end of the day, you do wonder, say, if Dubois. With Dubois, is it going to be... I mean, again, you watched that shift the last time. You you almost wonder if that's not going to... Is that a fix? Like, is that an actual fix here for them? Yeah. Like, in that regard? I do think... But I do think... I'll say this. I think both teams had had headaches that they needed to move on from. Mm -hmm. Like, in terms... Like, they just needed to clear it up and get it done and sort it out because it was going to hang over them like a cloud for the rest... Until they did. And I think as far as I'm concerned, both teams get something good here. There, I, I don't feel like I think if I had like, I'll ask you this, if if you think there's a winner to be had here. And again, trades don't really have to be winners and losers. Um, I would say that just in a in a general sense, I think Winnipeg might be getting the better short term uh, deal out of this with and Columbus maybe getting a little bit more of a, playing the long game a little bit more here. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so if like there was like a winner right now sort of thing, it's the Jets. But I think both yeah. teams are getting what they need. Both teams are getting something that they need and they're getting rid of a yeah. of an issue that they just couldn't be dealing with anymore. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, and oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all that's all there is to it. Um, I, oh, I will ask you this. Where does this put the Jets for you in terms of the North division and where they go from here. Do you think this, I don't think it, puts, I don't think it makes a difference to be honest. I, I like the, my, my issue as a Jets fan was that they traded their star winger and like a decent bottom six center and they didn't get a defenseman back. 
Yes, the defense is clearly their biggest problem here. Just atrocious. And like, now, you needed something on the back end at least to help out, and they got nothing out of it. So a part of me is like, PLD is great. Like that'll really bolster their top nine. But at the end of the day, if your defense is like a bunch of ramshackle options who can't stop pucks, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. They're not going to uh, do anything with it. <laughs> yeah. According to Elliot Friedman uh, today, they tried to, uh, one of the deals they tried to do with, get for line A was with Philly and tried to move him for, they asked for Ivan Provorov. Flyers just immediately shut that yeah. down. That would have been a, fi- a nice fix for them. Um, I mean, but I will say this on the, we talked already about goalies that can bail you out on a nightly basis like Jacob Markstrom yeah. can. Connor, Connor Hellebuck can do that. Connor, Connor, Connor Hellebuck could very easily just uh, drag that defense kicking and screaming into the playoffs. And he's tried. Um, he really and he has tried. tried. And he's succeeded a couple times. He's kind of succeeded yeah. a couple times. But um, I think it, I do think it moves the needle just a little bit uh, in the sense of I think it, makes it a little bit more like that that fourth that third or fourth spot looks a little bit more like a little bit more attainable for them just because mm-hmm. if this if this does make things a little bit more cohesive in your locker room and maybe things aren't as like contentious yeah. that might just help you that much more to actually get some to get something done and yeah. uh but uh from a general standpoint uh no, they're still pretty. They still got a. Li- they still got work to do, and they could still yeah. very easily say get passed by say an Edmonton or by an Edmonton with a a hot Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidel just running, running yeah. over everybody. Or hey, if the Canucks figure their stuff out, it's not it's not out of the question to say they couldn't buy a pa- they couldn't jump over them too. So it's yeah. it moves the needle a little bit in their favor, but not enough to like say oh this is a guaranteed playoff team or anything, right? Yeah, no. Not at all. Uh, well, that, I think, sums up all the major news yes. of the week. The only thing we wanted to quickly touch on was the NWHL season started uh, this last weekend. Yes. They're on Twitch. Um, yeah. I used my Amazon Prime free subscription to oh, nice. subscribe to them. Uh, if you didn't know that, if you were listening, you uh, get a free subscription with Prime uh, that you can use on anyone. And uh, once again, not sponsored. Not sponsored at all. Not Talk sponsored to Jeff at all. Bezos, give me a billion dollars and I'll. Oh yeah, crap. That guy could. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. With uh, the end, yeah, I, I, especially because you know we're two guy, we're two, we're two straight white males running another hockey podcast. That you know, there's plenty of there are plenty of there are plenty of seven hundred other. Yes, exactly. Podcasts, I do yes. think I do think it's important that we put time that we make sure we're putting the time to to talk about stuff like women, like the the W the NWHL and the the oh, I'm gonna get this acronym wrong, aren't I? The P. The PWHPA, I think that's yeah. it. Doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well as the NWHL does. Yes. But like the the women, the the independent like women's players association that are playing like their exhibition games uh, yeah. in the U.S. and Canada, um, trying to get a pro league of another pro league started. Mm-hmm. Um, I I will say I do think it's I think it's good that we t- I think it's good to try and talk about women's hockey as much as we possibly can because you know sure. that's what it needs it needs more the game always needs more exposure and i mean you you've seen uh 
just this weekend you've seen <laughs> what some of the uh, not-so-great people can do when it yeah. comes to uh, to NWHL. But you've also seen some of the really good things, like uh, like JT Brown and uh, Steve Dangle out there giving a bunch of uh, subs away. The broadcast uh, giving away a bunch of subs today, I think. Yeah, everyone was um, popping off in the sub donations, which is great. That's yeah. money straight in the pocket of the NWHL. And, uh, hey, anything to keep them away from Barstool Sports uh, being a main sponsor? <laughs> oh, no. Here come amazing. the... Here come the mention. Here come the. Uh, here come the mentions now. <laughs> uh, suck my no. dick, you stupid fucks. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Shit. You know what? I second that. Yeah. Um, okay, I did. Wa- okay, I want to ask you this. So, if we're gonna, t- we, if we need, to, if we're gonna talk about NWHL on a regu- uh, regularly, I think it's important that we have teams. Uh, okay, what? T- which? What? Who is the? N- who is your NWHL team that you're that you're gonna be keep that you're gonna be like? Uh, rooting for this here who's your who's your i'll team? go i'll go with the metropolitan riveters okay only because i i cannot stand that the team from toronto is named the six <laughs> that just like uh, i don't that, I, that bothers I'm me not so a much huge fan of that name and either. i hate the logo too i i just it bothers me so much i think the logo's all right the name's a little bit funky oh, sorry. i'm not i'm um, if not the Riveters, the Buffalo Buttes, because it's a it's a really like kind of douche bro name. But that is a great name. It's a great it's a great. It's like name. it's kind of cute the logo. So I'll, one of those two. Riveters is like straight up just Rosie the Riveter as a jersey, which is pretty rad. So cool. So cool. Yeah. So okay. I'll take them. What about you? So I'm going. I guess. I guess this is kind of like like this makes too much sense in my opinion. Gotta go with the Connecticut Whale. You gotta go with the team that wears green and blue and also has a whale on their jersey. This I mean, fair. that's perfect synergy with the Canucks. I'm surprised the Canucks haven't just sent them, haven't done what all the other teams are doing and sent them cutouts yet, player cutouts yet for the arena. Cause I think that's sense. a thing you can do where you can like send them, like teams have been sending cutouts to put, cause they're, all the games are in a bubble. Cause all yeah. the games are in a bubble uh, this year for them. Yeah. Uh, I believe in like Lake Placid. I think it's, Lake I think Placid, it's in yeah. Lake Placid. Yeah. Um, I watched some of the games on uh, Saturday. Uh, it's very good. fun. It's very good hockey. Um, yeah, I'm go. I've got to go with the whale. I got to go with the Connecticut whale. You gotta, you gotta pick. You gotta pick the team. The team that uh, feels the closest to your heart. And absolutely, though, that's them. And that's them. You, the the spiritual successors to the Hartford Whalers. I mean, everything <laughs> you could love about that. Everything you could love. Their jerseys are super nice too. I think they went full green. I think this year they went yeah, full they, green. Yeah, I think it's then their one is like kind of like the Utica thirds, which are pretty clean too. So yeah, I'm, Canucks, a, I'm a fan. Canucks, if you are listening to this, yeah, why have you not done a why have you not done a green alternate jersey yet? I don't don't know. and don't tell me the reverse retro is. Don't tell no, me the reverse retro. That's a Fresca can. We all know. Try. We all know that's a blue jersey with green accents. Yeah. Do not try and fool me with that. I want to see an actual green Canucks jersey at some point, like yeah. the like the whale are doing. I'm gonna be exactly. keep, but. But yeah, I'm gonna be keeping an eye on Connecticut this year. Maybe we have to. Maybe we'll just have to do check-ins on our on our teams on like regular episodes. We might have or something to like that. Yeah. Well, until then, though, we'll be signing off for now. Uh, thanks for listening in, guys. Don't forget you can subscribe to our patron. We have dollar tier, five dollar tiers, and we'll be throwing up content whenever we can. Yes. Um. Uh, Lachlan, where can the fans find you? You can find me on uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lock in the Crease, and you can find my writing work at lockinthecrease.com, where I post the uh, North Division 
the North Division power rankings every week, and I do oh, yeah. some other articles as well. I also now apparently do the uh, <laughs> the Canuck jersey. Yes, we the need Canuck those. jersey records. That was a funny thing. Oh, just quickly before we call, I guess before we call it off, it's really funny because. Uh, uh, everyone was talking about the jerseys and like the jerseys and uh, quad uh, quads was talking about uh, how the Canucks need to bring back that flying skate. And over the weekend, I had just been kind of like, like making kind of a, like a little web page on my site for that kind of like keeping track of the old Jersey records, just because right. I was kind of interested in it myself. And also I was kind of testing out some of like the WordPress uh, new editor stuff and everything and just kind of seeing the stuff I could do with it. Mm -hmm. um and i and i posted a link to it i'm like oh funny quads mentions this because hey the canucks went like had like an 875 winning percentage in that jersey and then uh shout out why it aren't the stanchion he picked it up uh because uh, of course he picks up anything that uh that involves anything the that skate hypes movement. up the black skate yeah of course yes exactly and uh that got a bunch of traffic going to my going to my website all day yesterday and today so and uh, again, I was not planning to make that public. I just kind of happened to throw it up there. But now it's public. Now it's a public thing. So I guess I'm going to be doing that as well. Uh, you'll oh, yeah. be able to find out which jerseys are the most cursed uh, that the Canucks wear and which ones are the most lucky and bring the most success. Hell yeah. Well, you can find me at Cody Severson on Twitter and CometsHarvest.com for all game recaps. My recaps will be starting February 5th. And as such, you'll probably be hearing me only maybe once a week uh, once the season starts up. But we're going to be recapping Canucks. Uh, next episode, we'll be covering the Ottawa Sens back-to-back uh wednesday thursday game so it should be a good one hopefully the canucks uh eke out two more wins because if they don't eke out two oh, no. seven more seven one wins yeah by everything because if yeah if not oh no everything is on fire yeah. again yeah well <laughs> it's an inferno then, at that point yeah geez god don't you get me started yeah don't uh, let's not let's not bring that in the world even, you're right yeah, why yeah. am i being captain negative now yeah, don't let's job. not yeah you're right that is your job i'm right. mr positive well until then this is mr positive cody severson signing off for luck <laughs> and the crease this is the crease cast thanks everyone for tuning in Bye. Bye.